almost to the playoffs. Almost to the playoffs. Almost to the playoffs. Almost to the playoffs. 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 Welcome back. For another episode of Straightaways, I'm your host, Mr. Drake Schrader, and I'm glad you are here listening to the show because we've got two more weeks until playoffs, and I'm going to get you guys ready for your week one playoff matchup. If you got a bye week, stay tuned in. I got some end of season strategy for you as well. But you guys know the drill. Welcome to the show. We are going to start by covering this week's recap. Before we do that, I want to talk about the intro to the week. Pretty even week across the board from a scoring standpoint. Only five players over 30 points so far. Um, That was Sunday night in the third quarter when I was writing that. I think that still remains true. Maybe we've got six players total, 30 and above. Um, But really, right from the start, like you can tell, I'm going to go through these these weeks. You've got some some low-scoring divisional groups here. So let's get into the Week 13 recap. All right, so quarterbacks. Let's start with these guys. This was actually the lowest quarterback season, uh, lowest quarterback scoring all season. So you got Jalen Hurts leading the pack, 40 points, 12 and one touchdown on the ground, 380 and three touchdowns in the air. And, uh, boy, this was a statement game for the Eagles, saying, look what we got with A.J. Brown. They went out there and trotted him around like the fancy game piece he is. Um, And that game was was pretty fun to watch outside of the fact that Tennessee is really not a competitive team whenever they get outside of their division. Joe Burrow, 34 points, 46 yards and a touchdown on the ground, which is good to see from him. That's about 10.6 of that. 34 points, so you're sitting at about 24 points total with 286 yards and two touchdowns in the air. Not a pinnacle game for Joe Burrow, but a really big game for that team, right? For the Bengals, show up, take down the Chiefs again, kind of start this new this non-divisional rivalry, uh, this sort of cross-divisional rivalry. You know, two AFC teams that are going to continue to meet, I think, in the playoffs moving forward for the foreseeable future. Barring injury, of course. Geno Smith, uh, 29 points. So big drop between Joe Burrow and Geno Smith. Jared Goff, 26. And I'll talk a little bit more about Goff here later in the episode. Dak Prescott, 23 points. Pat Mahomes, 22. Taylor Heineke, 22. Tom Brady, 21. Josh Allen, 21. Justin Herbert, 20. Justin Fields and Daniel Jones, 19 points. So, you know, you've got... Really relative low scoring, no 50-plus point game from any of these quarterbacks. All the major guys in the mid-20s, which is not normally where you see them, except for Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. Uh, Overall, pretty low quarterback scoring week. Running backs, you've got a similar tune being played. Lowest scoring running back week all season. No one over 30 points. CMC had 29, 66 yards on the ground, 8 for 80, and a touchdown in the air. Tony Pollard up here at the top of the pack, 25 fantasy points. Samaj P. Ryan making an appearance again, and he will continue to do so if Joe, if Joe Mixon's not going to play. 22 fantasy points. He had 106 yards and 6 for 49 in the air, so really did the distance. No touchdowns for Samaj. Got it all on the ground and in the air, which is cool to see. DeAndre Swift, 21 points. Josh Jacobs, 21 points. Not what you hope to see from him in that matchup. A.J. Dillon, 21 points. Good for from him. I do think it's funny if you listened to the episode last week. I went and said all the players that I missed on in week one, and uh, you're going to see in this episode quite a few players of uh, that I mentioned I missed on actually had great weeks this week, like AJ Dillon, uh, Saquon Barkley at 19 points, Cam Akers 19, Zeke Elliott 19. Zonovan Knight, gosh, golly, this guy's going to continue to be a force for the Jets, I think, for the foreseeable future until they get everyone healthy again. 17 points. David Montgomery and James Cook, 17 points for both of them. Wide receivers. 
This is actually a medium to high scoring wide receiver week. So you've got Devontae Adams leading the pack with 38 fantasy points, eight for 177 and two touchdowns. You got Amon Ra, the sun god, St. Brown, hanging in close behind him, 35 points. He went 11 for 14 and two touchdowns. A.J. Brown, third wide receiver on the week, 32 points, eight for 119 and two touchdowns. And thus ends the two touchdown kind of brigade there, the top three. Seems to really be the barrier for getting over 30 points because you've got Tyreek Hill, 30 points, 9 for 146 and only one touchdown. And then you've got Tyler Lockett with 28, DK 27, Terry McLaurin 25, Christian Watson and Garrett Wilson both had 24 fantasy points. Stephon Diggs, Devontae Smith 22 and 21, Keenan Allen 21, CD Lamb 20 fantasy points, Alec Pierce 19, Justin Jefferson 19, Michael Gallup, 18, Jamar Chase, 17, Jahan Dotson, Christian Kirk, Drake London, all had 16 fantasy points, and Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton. Rounding out the bottom of this sort of wide receiver two category with 15 points. Tight end, Kate Otten actually came in and, and stole this, this prime TE1 spot from Mr. Greg Dulcich. Both these guys finished with 15 points. Dulcich went 6 for 85. No, I don't remember Kate Otten's line, but I believe he caught a touchdown. Noah Fant, 14 fantasy points. He went 4 for 42 and a touchdown. See how easy it is to get up to 12, 13 points? All you need is a touchdown and like four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. You're at 14 points every single week. Don't you wish they could do that more often? Evan Ingram, 14 fantasy points. Taysom Hill, 13. Cole Komet, 13. Gerald Everett, 13. And then we've got Chigoziem Okonkwo with 11 and Pat Fryermuth with 11. Some notables here at the bottom of the chart. Mark Andrews, Connor Hayward, and Brevin Jordan all had nine points. Kickers and defenses. So these defenses that I'm going to talk about, you're probably not surprised to hear. Uh, Cleveland, 31 points on the week. Gosh, golly, they are a wide receiver one for you this week. Cowboys, 22 fantasy points. Now, listen, the Cowboys are currently on pace for 216 fantasy points. They were the the first defense last year, defense number one. They had 198. And this year, they're on pace to finish about 18 points higher than that. So the next highest up behind them is the Patriots. And uh, the Patriots are really on pace for like 170-something, 180-something. So Cowboys are going to be on pace for... Uh, 216 fantasy points last year. The wide receiver 13 in PPR was Terry McLaurin with 214 fantasy points. So having someone like the Cowboys defense as opposed to someone like the Lions defense in a league where you have to choose a defense could make or break your season at this point, and it, it already has up to this point. So I know you can't go out and trade and get, get teams like the Patriots or the Cowboys, but uh, for future reference, pay attention to what teams are high, scoring highly at the beginning of the year, high turnover rates, high scoring potential on defense, and uh, get those teams because, I mean, the Cowboys are going to break, you know, be the highest scoring defense in the last three years. Baltimore, 164-2020. Cowboys, 2021 with 198. And the Cowboys are going to finish with probably 200-plus this year. So, uh, But this week in particular, San Fran finished with 19 behind the Cowboys. And then Los Angeles Chargers and Denver, both 13. So you really had three defenses here who were worth anything more than 12 points. Cleveland, Cowboys, and uh, San Francisco. Kickers. We had some kickers put some points up this week. Michael Badgley with 21 points. Greg Zerline with 21. Robbie Gould with San Francisco with 20. Matthew Wright with 18. And Matt Gay with 15. So similar conversation here about the kickers. Uh, 21 points from a kicker can absolutely win you a week if you need, you know, comes down to that wide receiver. You need .09 fantasy points from if you got Alvin Kamara in last night's game and needed that last run from him. Rob, see you out there. Sorry for you, bud. Didn't happen. Uh, but can really make make or break the difference between you winning your week. Now, let's talk about some notables from week 13, some things I want to chat about. 
All right, Jamison Williams back in with the Detroit Lions. He didn't play much this week. Uh, he, I think he had one target. He wasn't really forced into this game. But keep an eye on him moving forward. I've mentioned him a couple times. Hopefully he's going to be a better candidate for you if you have him rostered already. Zonovan Knight is legit. Uh, I've seen a couple people on Dynasty Twitter mention him saying he looked really good coming out of college. He did go undrafted, which is why he fell so far on people's boards. But he's a really talented player, and he, we're obviously seeing that on the field. He could very much so carve a rollout for himself in New York, especially with Brees Hall not being available, Mark, Michael Carter having some health issues. Ty Johnson's never really going to be an RB1. Uh, but Zonovan Knight could be could be a player that has a really interesting and impactful end of the year. Another notable from this week, Daniel Jones. Uh, they were talking in this game about how the New York Giants offensive staff had talked about wanting to have Daniel Jones run the ball more to help offset Saquon when in the running game. And I think it, it kind of shows you see his attempts this week. I think he had 12 attempts for 71 yards. And, uh, man, if you're going to get 12 attempts for 50 yards, I mean, that's five additional points you're going to get out of a quarterback. In a four-point-per-passing touchdown league, you may get one touchdown that's four points only you know, I'm going to take that that rushing upside any chance I get. He's going to continue to finish in the top 12, I think, for, for the next couple of weeks. Brock Purdy stepped in at quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers after Jimmy G suffered a potential season-ending injury. He will continue to probably start for San Francisco after winning the game and doing really well. Uh, he kind of showed his stuff. Man, you get some of these these quarterbacks that get a chance midseason, like Mike White and Brock Purdy. Uh, you really, you know, Taylor Heineke obviously getting another shot to kind of show what he's got. Uh, really rooting for these underdog guys here. So James Cook in Buffalo might be another league-winning style running back. Uh, they're continuing to give him quite a bit of the workload there, and it's kind of taking away from Devin Singletary's ability to score. Um, and so I think we need to see a little bit of a bigger sample size from James Cook, but keep him, keep him on your radar for next year. May not be a really big name at the end of this season. I don't think that he you know has this incredibly... Uh, verbose output for the next five games. But I do think that coming into next year, you might be someone you're able to get at a little bit of a cheaper cost and, and have potential for Devin Singletary style upside if he is the RB1. Greg Dulcich, uh, God, golly, this guy looks like he might be the wide receiver one in Denver right now. They're still so bad, but they, they're treating him kind of like a wide receiver one. They even came out and said that he was operating in a wide receiver style role last week, which is why he was targeted so much. So it's like, hey, uh, Mr. Hackett, why don't you do that a little more often? Why don't you keep putting him in a wide receiver role so we can benefit from it? But, uh, you know, I think moving forward, Greg Dulcich is going to be a little bit more closely related or relatable, rather, to someone like Gerald Everett, Pat Frymuth, you know, nine to 10 fantasy points would be good. 14 is great. 15 is great, but you could end up with four. You know, that's kind of the gamble that you're taking. Isaiah Pacheco has some great games coming up ahead of him. He's been showing out consistently for the Kansas City Chiefs in Clyde Edwards-Alaire's absence. Um, just keeping an eye on him moving forward. I think he's another great rookie running back that could prove to be really valuable in next year's draft. Ramondre also has been a top four in running back targets every week since week seven. Uh, and I just thought it was nice to point that out. Playoffs are next week. Let's take a look at the matchup specifically for uh, for the this week coming up. The one that you guys are going to try and win and secure that final uh, that final first round bye. All right, playoffs are in one week. This is week 14 we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you the best matchups per position. We're going to start here with quarterback. 
The best matchup this week is going to be Kirk Cousins playing against Detroit. Kirk Cousins was a quarterback eight in week three when they last played, but he only had 22 fantasy points. Um, this week, that's the same as Mahomes had against Cincinnati. But he has everyone fully healthy. Minnesota is obviously vying still for a playoff spot with the acquisition of TJ Hawkinson before the trade deadline. Um, and I think this is going to be a really, really high-scoring game. Whatever the over-under is, I think it's probably – let me check. I'll check right now. It's Tuesday night. The over-under for this game, I'm going to guess before I look at it, I'm going to say it's 51 and a half. And I'll be able to tell you exactly what it is in about five seconds. Minnesota and Detroit playing in Detroit. It's 53, so it's a point and a half higher than I said. I still might take the over there. Um, Lions are... F what? Lions are favored by two points right now. That's pretty crazy. I don't... I guess because they're playing at home and they've been playing really well. Very interesting to me. Lions are favored by two points. Kirk Cousins, uh, number one best quarterback matchup on the week. Justin Herbert playing Miami. Um, these both both these teams have given up big points to CMC, um, or rather, Miami has given up big points to CMC. And I'm expecting a really big game from Eckler and Herbert both really running in on this Miami defense. Uh, we're hoping Jalen Waddle's back healthy so that we can see a shootout between these two teams. But you'll see this is kind of the trend with the games this week. We've got some bad defenses playing bad defenses, okay? Uh, Mac Jones has got the sixth easiest rest of season schedule for quarterbacks, but specifically this week, Patriots are playing Arizona, um, and Arizona's allowing 25 points per game to quarterbacks. So I'm not always saying start Mac Jones. I just want to say for the sake of this week, it looks like the matchup might be in a little bit in his favor. And then Jared Goff. Has the fifth easiest quarterback matchup this week. They are playing Minnesota, who I just talked about. Minnesota is giving up 24 points per game to quarterbacks, and both of these defenses are really not very good. Um, they're playing in Detroit, and the Lions typically do put up quite a few points whenever they're in Detroit. Lions are also third in total touchdowns on the season, and they have the highest, I think, the third highest scoring offense in the league right now. So those are my five quarterbacks for the week. If you need to stream one of those guys off the waiver wire, I'm feeling pretty confident doing that over maybe someone else in the past that uh, has a tougher matchup. Moving on to running back, Zeke and Pollard are playing the Texans, and they allow the most points per game for running backs. So a week after they put up a combined uh, 43 fantasy points. You know, I'm feeling really good about starting either one of those guides north of uh, 29 in PPR leagues in terms of what we're expecting from a, a combined points per game for those guys north of 30. So feeling really confident about both of them, especially where they've been playing. Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, or Joe Mixon, I guess I should say, playing against Cleveland, who is also the second worst against fantasy running backs, allowing 1.2 less points per game than the Texans. So Cleveland is really not a good team uh, against the run at all, and, and it's made pretty clear that the Cincinnati team is going to run the ball if they can. 106 yards last week from P. Ryan. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great matchup for both of those guys, whichever one ends up taking the mantle. Miami has the fourth easiest matchup for running backs. I just mentioned that that matchup for with the Chargers. Um, but they, you know, I don't know if I like Mostert or Jeff Wilson. I think I'm taking Mostert over Jeff Wilson, but neither were super involved this week. Um, they will be playing the Chargers, so, you know, that should be a great matchup. If you needed to flex one of those guys, this would be the week to do it. Rams are playing Las Vegas, which is the fifth easiest schedule for running backs, fifth easiest game for running backs. Um, you know, Cam Akers had a pretty decent week this week. If they're going to continue to use him as a workhorse back, I don't see why he wouldn't wouldn't be able to put up a decent game in stat line against Las Vegas. 
Um, Seahawks playing Carolina. That's the sixth easiest matchup on the week. So if Kenneth Walker is back fully healthy, feeling really confident in him. And then you've got the New York Giants and New England Patriots, seventh and eighth matchups for running backs in terms of easiest matchup. Giants are playing Philadelphia, New England playing Arizona. So you've got Saquon and Ramondre that also have really good matchups this week. Last group here, we're going to talk about the matchups for the wide receivers. We've got the Baltimore Ravens, who have the easiest matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are averaging giving up 32 points per game to the wide receivers, but I don't know that there is a wide receiver in Baltimore. Maybe that's a spot start for DuVernay, uh, who's not even playing right now. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars have the second easiest schedule for wide receivers, so Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, A. Jones. Uh, feel good rolling all them out there against Tennessee, who's giving up currently 33 points, fantasy points allowed per game. And then you've got the uh, Minnesota Vikings have a great matchup, like I said, against Detroit. Detroit has a great matchup against Minnesota. That's three and four. Pittsburgh has a great matchup against Baltimore. So you've got all these bottom teams, all these bottom defensive teams playing each other. And then you've got the Broncos playing Kansas City. Uh, and they are not, Kansas City is giving up a ton of fantasy points to the wide receiver, but the Broncos are the lowest in the league. You've also got the Jets, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Bengals, who all have really good matchups for wide receivers. Jets against Buffalo. Mike White playing out of his mind. Titans against Jacksonville. Uh, Raiders against the Rams. And Bengals against Cleveland. We've got one more week till playoffs start, and I promise you guys I'm not going to slack on the content. This episode's going to be a little bit shorter, but next week we are going to come in hot for a playoff primer, talk about all the matchups, who's going to be starts it. Uh, I'm about 170 followers away from two, from 1,000 followers on TikTok, so as soon as we can get me up to 1,000 followers, we'll be going live to do start sit questions and answer uh, follower questions, things like that. So let's go follow the TikTok if you guys haven't done that. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good luck this week, everybody, getting those first-round buys and getting into the, the fantasy playoffs. I got a couple leagues. I'm sitting at, like, you know, 8 and 6 or 7 and 6, somewhere in between, so trying to even it out, maybe fighting for, for that last playoff spot. Best of luck to you all. Let me know how it goes, and we'll see you next week for Straightaways. Straightaways.